Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. On this episode of Big Boys Don't Cry, we discuss the Netflix original film Secret Obsession. You don't have to have seen the film to enjoy the podcast, but if you do proceed and listen without having seen the film, just be aware that the plot will be spoiled for you. Enjoy. Hello. All right, sorry I was a little bit late. Someone was trying to pro-rogue me. Oh. I got him. I called the queen and I was like, look, do something for once in your life. You know, just do it. And she was like, yeah, yeah, fine. You're all good. Go do your podcast. So there we go. Here we are. You know, we live in a sick, messed up world where proroguing parliament is not about George Clinton's love of playing Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> Yeah, a pro rogue should only be someone from the Star Wars universe. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Rogue One. Yeah. It should only refer to Riz Ahmed in the film Rogue One. <laughs> as he is, as he plays his character, who I believe is known as the first rogue. The pro rogue. The pro rogue. Yeah. He was the first rogue to ever turn pro. Exactly. Before but that, the first it was rogue to get paid for it. Yeah. The amateur rogue leagues, you know, they weren't. Ma- they started making more and more money, more and more money, until eventually they decided, yeah, we'll pay the players. And he was the first one. Yeah, that, that's how it works. That's, that's a film I would watch. I'd watch that. It's it's the feel good, um, the feel good sports movie, but also about shooting people with laser guns. Yeah, pro rogue one. <laughs> the feel good hit of the summer. Uh, so our country, Paddy. It's very bad. Extremely bad. Our, our current government, put into power by 100,000 people, less than 100,000 people, we'll say. Yeah. And not, not, just, not just any people. The kind of people who willingly joined the Conservative Party. Yeah, those kind of sick freaks who, who want to join the Conservative Party. Yeah. Um, <laughs> d- decided who was going to be our Prime Minister. And and bear in mind, this country, the executive branch is all powerful. If you control the executive branch, you control everything. And the executive branch is not the monarchy. The monarchy is just this sort of weird cobweb hanging over the executive branch that you have yes, to sort of yeah. look at it occasionally and go, is this okay? And the big spider will look down and go, yeah, I guess. I don't know. Don't ask me. I'm a spider. That's how, is, that's how the monarchy works. It's literally a puppet. The The real monarchs died out. 100 years ago and since then they've just been animatronics oh is this like a um what do you call it it's like the the paul mccartney's dead theory yes or the avril yeah. levine died in a fire theory or whatever Was yeah the re- fire? <laughs> uh, i can't remember how she supposedly died um the real supposedly. reason that they the real reason that they replaced um yoda with cgi rather than puppets is because all of frank oz's time was spent then making um making the puppets of the queen and <laughs> prince harry and yeah. prince charles that's why they cgi'd yoda having his lightsaber fun right yes yeah exactly frank exactly. oz was busy he was too busy recreating our royal family 
<laughs> yeah, it was a very important job. Anyway, so we're basically a dictatorship now. Yeah, pretty much. That's great. That's how it works. <laughs> that's how. That's how. I, that more than anything else, this has just proved how broken our political system actually is. It is. Yes. Uh, our our system is held together by someone at some point thinking, "Wait, maybe we should keep holding elections and keep having representative democracy." Yeah, and that's and the only thing. Behind that is a lot of people going, actually, all of that stuff isn't really worth bothering with. Yeah, the moment the person in charge thinks, wait a minute, I don't have to do that, and I can get away with doing stuff if I don't do it, is the moment that our entire system falls apart. Yeah. So, yeah, that's Pretty much. great. It's great. Boris Palpatine, Watermelon, Piccaninny Johnson, <laughs> sitting there in his throne made of gold. Gold that has been pulled from his hair, of course. Of course. Spun of course. gold, like Rapunzel. Crapunzel. <laughs> That's your favourite fairy tale, that is. Yeah. So, the world is shit. Yep. You know Fucking what's... Rubbish. You know what's not shit? Netflix. <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but you know what's kind of shit? Netflix. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so so this week this week we watched Secret Obsession. Your choice. Oh, my know. choice. My choice. I would never willingly choose to watch a film like this. I, this is one of the most important things to say to contextualize everything we're about to say about this film. All I'm about to say <laughs> is that I would never in a million years choose to watch a film like this. This just looks like the filmic equivalent of all of those books you see when you go in a bookshop that are like My Sister's Secret or the daughter fell in the water or whatever you know all those kind of books where it's like all kind of domestic chiller type books i have absolutely no interest in those books and they're all the same (laughs) my personal opinion is that there are too many of them and they're boring even though i've never really read one so i whereas i don't i don't know what they're like as books i'm very picky about what books i read um i'm much less picky about what films i watch (laughs) just like edit any, any old trash, just put it in my eyeballs now. I'm well, too tired to think. <laughs> well, as long as there is a good level of correct trash, I'm on board with it. Correct trash. And yes. So, Secret Obsession. That's what Obsession. we should call this podcast. <laughs> correct <laughs> trash. <laughs> Secret, of, Secret Obsession. It reminded me of those made-for-TV, like, domestic thrillers that appeared in, like, the 1990s. Mm. where it's just that really dumb cheesy black and white almost done like a horror movie kind of thing yeah it's set up like a horror movie isn't it especially the the score and the approach to the the cinematography and things feels a bit like a horror movie but it's all that it is is a guy has clearly lied to a woman with amnesia and he's being a nasty creep and i just it's just boring like the domestic <laughs> the domesticness of it i just feel like when i watch a film i want to i want to hear a good story and i guess you could have made this into a good story but if you know you were to look at specifics or to give angles that are genuinely really really good and people always talk about oh it's this got a great twist or whatever but there was no great twist in this this was just it was extremely obvious it was exactly what you thought <laughs> And I'd almost go as far as to say that this fi- this film feels like it was written by a bot. I I can I tell you something? You wrote this film. 
<laughs> I did write this film. <laughs> Your no. secret obsession is <laughs> writing psychological thrillers. My my secret pet peeve is I hate the whole this is written by a bot thing online yeah. when it's not been written by a bot because that's not how bots work. Do you, you, you hate the fact that people post a thing and go, "Hey, a bot wrote this," and a bot didn't actually write it, and people think that it's that it's funny, and people think that it's real. Is that why you hate it? That is why I hate it because yeah. it's obviously not written by a bot. Let me tell you about how bots work, right? <laughs> bots bots don't work like that. <laughs> Because bots do not think in ways that human beings think. Because well, can a, can it's a bot impossible. Think? Well, the, exactly, exactly. They, but they don't kind of operate. Raise a bigger question. They they don't operate in the same way that we we operate. So so one example of this is they had this bot running um, like virtual versions of a plane crashing to try and work out the minimal way to cause damage to the plane. And what the bot worked out was they told it to sort of reach the lowest possible point of damage. The bot solved this by causing the plane, the virtual plane to crash so badly that it completely fucked up the reading, therefore coming up a zero. (laughs) So by basically sending this plane straight down into the ground, it stopped it from reaching anything other than that zero. Therefore, the bot proved it is correct. so, So bots writing movies where someone's like i put in seven netflix movies and it came out with this oh it's so funny it's not funny you wrote something i think it's extremely funny and i'm gonna find all of them and retweet them and tag you in them you 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 wrote something that wasn't funny enough for you to post saying look at what i wrote isn't this a funny little satire and instead said a bot did this oh isn't it funny bots we live in the we live in the age of bots and things this like is that. Extremely twenty nineteen humor. Robotics. Is Artificial well intelligence did it. Topical. Yeah. Hashtag topical. It's not twenty fucking fifteen anymore. It's been four years. Make more jokes about Parliament and pro roguing and yeah. Boris Johnson's face. Pro rogue one. That's the real joke. That's the real joke. That's the most twenty nineteen joke. You peasants. <laughs> hate you with your bot humor you bot peasants you bot peasants <laughs> but the reason that i say that I, it feels like it's written by a bot is that it's just so incredibly generic and obvious and you know and that when you you watch a film that has been written well what it has is you know for want of a better phrase a human touch a personal touch it has elements of the story that are specific and that betray you know a real yeah, a humanity and a story and a narrative that you can get hold of and think, oh, I could imagine this happening to me, perhaps. Not that everything has to be relatable, but it's like something has to draw you into the story in a personal way, and this just had did not have that in any way whatsoever. Even though it really tried hard to get there, it still ended up coming across as generic because you didn't it didn't invest enough in any of its characters at all. Even like even the cop who incidentally, Dennis Haysbert, he's from um major league which is a a baseball film that's kind of bad and dated and has some racism in it but is kind of funny and has charlie sheen pitching um but yeah he was (laughs) he's in that film so seeing him turn up in this i was like oh it's that guy he's aged he's buying a um a teddy for his dead daughter but i still don't care about him (laughs) and and the moment that you saw him buying the teddy bear did you just immediately think dead daughter as soon as you saw that, yeah, obviously. it was it was yeah. obvious from the word. Every joke. every cop in these kind of films has to have a thing. 
This is how it works. This is the thing. These de- all, just all so fucking formulaic, these kind of films and books and all of it. They're all the same. A car, cop has a problem. Where's a cop who doesn't have problems just solving things because he's a good cop? And I'm not talking about Paw Patrol. That is that is hot fuzz you're looking for there. <laughs> a, a very efficient, good policeman. No, didn't he have um, a breakup? He had a breakup, but every, everybody has a bloody breakup. Breakup doesn't count as trauma. Breakup is just life. I bet you the main fascist dog in Paw Patrol never broke it up with anyone. Yeah. He, he's probably celibate anyway, like Morrissey. He, But I thought that he was in severe trouble for um, brutally biting a um, black Labrador. Yeah. That's with, that's all within the dog universe, though. It's, it's, it's all within the dog universe. If dogs do it, it's yeah. fine, because it's dog eat dog out there. <laughs> Thank you for taking my incredibly bitter joke about police brutality and turning it into a pun, by the way. <laughs> it's, it's it's all you can do in these dark times. <laughs> Should these I say times. these dog times? <laughs> <laughs> this is why we do this show, to eventually <laughs> arrive at the same pun. Exactly. Um. So, so Dennis Haysbert, is he's in your movie about hitting balls? Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> it's it's a comedy. It's a funny film about hitting balls. Is it? It's do kind they, of do funny. They, do they hit it's balls dated. in a funny way? Yeah, they um, do. But he's also the president in Twenty Four. He's also in the Thirteenth Floor, where he also plays a detective, which is a very cool movie that kind of did the Matrix ish, but as a noir detective story. Okay. It's, it's rather cool. See, I, I, I will listen to that. It is good. Um, and also, of course, he was in Dear White People. Oh, yes. Of course. He was very good in that. This is great. And he was really good in it. And we like him. And and he's the most interesting thing about this movie, I suppose, is the cop slowly figuring out what the audience knows from the word go. Yeah. Obviously, what sort of methodically working his way through the various the various tropes and the small tidbits of information eventually reveal the thing that we all knew was happening yes but but what this movie is this movie is the perfect example of netflix doing something trashy and kind of nostalgic yeah so so as you've seen with other things that they've done where they've they've tried to do the the cheesy rom-com and they've done like a straightforward rom-com this is the straightforward 90s thriller yeah and and that's all it is and that's all they're trying to do is basically recreate that feeling of this guy's a creep but she doesn't know it, and and that's basically it. Yeah, and I'd be lying if I said in the middle part of it I wasn't I was not compelled. That's the thing; these films will always kind will always compel you. But I always I almost resent it more for the fact that it's so obvious when it does happen. <laughs> oh yeah, it turns out he was the guy who worked in her office, who watched her from afar, and then was a creep. He's a one-dimensional creep, and that's it. Whereas that, to me, is the most interesting part of the story. It's always like, why, what drives a person to do that? What was it about their particular office environment or their relationship or however it was before? That's the most interesting part of it, but that's literally sort of brushed over in about 10 to 20 seconds to explain his creepiness. Yeah, it's interesting that they don't show any flashbacks of him really it's literally just like a, a montage of him looking at her creepily from afar. Yeah. And they don't delve into anything else whatsoever. Um, which well, is and that's the whole reason that all of it's happening. Yeah. Yeah. So instead he's just a default creep. And um, I can't, I can't like, I couldn't even count the number of times that he turned around to at some point and said, after everything I've done for you and you act like this, it's like <laughs> that, that came up about that, that genuinely came up about 10 times in this movie, him saying almost exactly the same thing. 
Yeah, it's like a parent sort of dedicatedly bollocking their child, knowing that they're not going to change. Yeah, it's just ugh. some of the writing in this was very, very poor. Yeah, um, extremely poor. But I don't think necessarily that the performances were that bad, which which kind of threw me for a for a, a, it kind of caused me to get a bit out of joint, I suppose, mm. because. I think everyone put in a decent enough performance in this, you know, suitably melodramatic as well. But then it's such a boring script. And so you're like, oh, you're trying so hard. Yeah, I think they all kind of phoned it in because they knew that it was just blah. Yeah, I suppose. But I I will give credit to um, Brenda Song, who plays the lead. I think she actually does very well in this. When she's terrified, you genuinely believe that she's terrified. You know all of this stuff and the way that it reveals. You believe her performance is very believable, and that's the thing that really carries the film and makes it just about, I'd say, a passable watch. If there's really nothing else on Netflix, <laughs> if you finish Taco Chronicles, you, know. you finish Taco Chronicles. Yeah. So, so I don't know. I think everybody does a decent enough job. So Mike Vogel plays the creep, and he's yep. creepy. He's, he does a good job of being a creep. He's a good creep. You've got Detective Man. Yeah. Suitably good at being a detective. And so, I don't know. I think, like, everybody does their best with the most boring, formulaic film I think I've seen in a fair while. Yeah. And is it romantic? That's the question we have to ask. Well, I think it is. Well, it has that facade of romance. It's It's a movie about a relationship, about a supposed loving relationship but i was hoping we'd get more of a i don't know i was thinking i was hoping we'd get more of a her fooling for him or those scenes of you know like i i don't know of them being like oh i don't remember my husband but yeah he's attractive and he's kind and but that never really happens no yeah there's sort of weird flashbacks where they keep using the same footage over and over where like there's one of them like sort of having a sexy moment, and then it changes from being creepy, creepy fake husband to real husband when she realizes what's happened, and that's kind of the most romantic that it gets. Yeah, yeah, I, I'd say it's still more romantic than some of the movies we've watched on this podcast. Well, that's not hard. <laughs> <laughs> okay, is this more romantic than Attack of the Clones? No, it's less romantic than Attack of the Clones. She, no, she doesn't get compared to sand. No, at any she point. doesn't. She doesn't, which is good. But yeah, it's so I, I'd say there's still a there's enough in here about a supposed relationship. But I think the problem was that, and and they clearly did it because everybody knew where it was going anyway. Like it was obvious from the title, "Secret Obsession," <laughs> that this is not going to be a genuine, um, a, a genuine relationship. But almost from the word go, well. You know, initially it starts with her being chased and being run over, and then you see the husband there. But immediately, you know, you've got the creepy score and you've got the overtones of it not being quite right. So even if you've managed to avoid what the title of the movie was, and even if you've managed to avoid the trailer, which auto plays, which is one of the worst features of Netflix, I hate that so much. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're like on a train or something and you've got the sound, you don't want the sound on and it just comes on. Yeah. I'm not down with it's, that. It's the worst. It's the worst. I hate things that autoplay. If I want to watch it, if I want to play it, I'll play it. I don't need to autoplay for me. But like, even if you'd missed the trailer, which gave away the entire plot, 
you'd still know exactly what this movie was within about a minute. Yeah. They're like, oh, who's got the secret obsession? What is the secret obsession? What could it possibly be? I was hoping it would actually be really off the wall and be like, oh, she actually has a secret obsession with, I don't know, model railways or something. But now that she's, um, you know, she's recovering from a car crash, she can't get to model railways and it slowly drives her insane. That's a Yeah, that would be good. I'd watch that. When did you last go to a model railway? <laughs> when when did I go to a model railway? Are you telling me you've never been to a model railway? I don't think so. Jesus Christ, you haven't lived. <laughs> it's definitely more interesting than this film. See, Paddy, I do know why you hate this film. Why? Because the main character, tall, handsome man with a beard and glasses who's good with Photoshop. <laughs> yeah, it's basically me. He's saying, I've got a secret obsession. You've got a secret obsession. Yeah, I'm a secret lemonade drinker. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, so, so, yeah, so I I was hoping for more of a a false movie before the real movie kicked in. Yeah, I honestly hated his face and the fact that his look is a little bit similar to mine was kind of part of that, for sure. (laughs) Yeah, genuinely why you disliked it was that. A little bit, yeah. And I was like, those glasses are too wide for his face. They're almost like Bono shades. <laughs> Whereas, yeah, like I I don't know. I enjoyed this in parts because it, it did tick those trashy boxes. And when it really went into made-for-TV movie melodrama, you know, when you've got the soft focus or you've got the 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 villain dialogue or the detective thinking hmm something's not quite right about this mysterious hmm, man i wonder clearly... what it could be <laughs> like i i really enjoyed those moments but it felt a little bit too sort of middle of the road a lot of the time it needed to be more trashy i think yeah it should have gone full trash this is the thing like yeah. we're always saying that movies that try to be funny need to go full goofy movies if if you're making a trashy movie, just make a trashy movie. Yeah, just go go as far out as you can with the trashiness, and you'll find that it's a much better entertaining prospect. Yeah, for sure. So how how could they have made this more trashy, do you think? Could he have just been a really, really over-the-top, like, freaky guy? Well, I think it needed to be much more doting and loving at the beginning, and you needed more soft-focus scenes of him, like, cooking for her. Oh, yeah, yeah. So it's, like, really, really sort of romantic really overly romantic exactly yeah you want it to be you want to okay that we're rewriting secret obsession yep we're calling it this needs to be done we're calling it the most secret obsession (laughs) we're taking it that level further right can you can you is is secret a continuum can you never mind it's not important (laughs) (laughs) you can be more secretive than someone else true true the biggest secret obsession yeah 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 the the secretist obsession yeah that's what we're calling it um the secret strikes back so so the first thing you do right is you cut that entire intro scene where she gets run over yeah yeah like it opens like a horror movie basically doesn't it 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 opens with a chase scene in the dark and the rain and so immediately you know that something is up and that there's something bad happening to her and then reuses those scenes over and over and over in flashbacks just like to fill the runtime of the movie, basically. <laughs> yeah. So, so you cut that entirely. This movie opens with her waking up in a hospital bed, yeah, with a case of explosive amnesia. She don't know who she is. She don't know who she's married to. 
She don't know her own name. And the technical term is in media med medical. Uh. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, and then she's like, "Where am I? I'm so confused. What's going on?" And then in walks handsome glasses man. Yeah. Who's like, what's her what's her character name? I've forgotten her character name. Jennifer. Jennifer. He's like Jennifer. Thank God you're okay. I'm your handsome husband, Russell. Yeah. Rather than him actually going in and sort of already sort of being weirdly smug and as if he does know that it's happened, and you're like, come on, at least make at least try and fool us a little bit with it. Yep. And that, so then you want the teary scene where she's like, I don't remember you, husband, and he's like, it's okay. You'll have we'll give you as much time as possible, and then away they go. And maybe maybe the nurse looks a little bit suspicious. I don't know, maybe. Yeah. The the nurse seemed relatively clued in. The nurse like, asks him some pressing questions. Yeah, yeah. Like, and, does, and, does she enjoy pumpkin spice latte? Yeah. And, and then so he's like, look, I've been looking for her for two days. I'm so glad we found her. I just want to get her home or something like that, which is a little bit more realistic, you know. If, if he's also been through a difficult period, you can kind of understand it rather than him being just a suspicious creep. So gets her home. Sets her up in the house. It's a beautiful house. We want to go full Fifty Shades here. And at this but, point, we believe him. That's, that's yeah, the, that's the, the reason point. that you, you, never, to... you never believe his act. You always know that he's a creep, and that's why it just doesn't work and just seems obvious. The film yeah. should start by making you utterly believe him. Yes, and, and you have those sympathetic scenes where he's helping her and everything like that. You've got some nice, you are my rose, you are my rose, you are my rose <laughs> going on in the background. You well, that's good the montages. thing about the room. You, know, you do believe Tommy Wiseau's performance 100%. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And, and that's what you want here. You want, you want to believe yeah. for a, as much of the runtime as possible. You want the audience to believe that this is genuinely a married couple who are in love. Yeah, so we're replacing the, the flashback scenes to the scary stuff with you know long scenes of bare buttocks and <laughs> no this music is a f- that sounds like covers of hello by Lionel Richie but with this, generic words about love this is a the first half of this movie is a family friendly movie oh the, the first half yeah it okay, gets so we can save that stuff for the second half we we it, it gets steamy and then it gets violent and that's yeah. where we go with it so we have the saxophone solos come you know at the halfway point we, so we have all of that stuff but then it's raining one night and they're looking out at the rain and they have a little, you know, they have a little chat about how, oh, I love the rain. And and she goes, or, or he goes, oh, you always used to love looking out at the rain. And she goes, oh, but I find it scary now. And it's like, oh, don't worry, you'll get used to it, blah, blah, blah. You have explosive amnesia, remember. Um, and then she, she wheels away and then there's a flash of lightning. And that's the first time that you see weird beard man whose place in this story was never really fully explained. Because no, it was him. Because he gets all he gets all beaten up and killed, and that's the that's the first time you see him, and you think, oh, what's going on here? This is very suspicious. Mm. And so you want to pull the whole trick of the audience thinking that the creepy guy outside is the villain. But where? Um, hang on. Where's um? Where's the cop at this point? How do we work the cop in? Well, the cop is investigating her case because she was hit by a car. So he's just looking for car people so he's trying he's to looking find... for his white pickup truck his his secret obsession is with white pickup trucks. he loves white pickup trucks and he is desperate to find like this one every 10 seconds every scene he's asking someone hey what do you think about a white pickup truck like a white well, pickup truck got a white <laughs> how pickup many truck? white pickup trucks do you think there are in the state yeah um, and then they're all just like a lot and that's the end of the scene 
<laughs> uh, yeah, that's it. So, so someone yeah, wrote that down on on a, a word document or like final draft or whatever. Someone wrote that. Someone wrote that scene where they're just like <laughs> white pickup trucks, white pickup trucks. What do you think, white pickup trucks? There are a lot of white pickup trucks in this state. End scene. So, so yeah. So he's still doing that. He's still investigating the hit and run because that happened. We just didn't have the flashback of her being genuinely scared and running away from someone. And that's the thing. It's almost more interesting and more compelling when you know that he's investigating something, but you haven't actually seen all the details of it. Yep. And And you're able to drip feed those into the story. And you can even have an open conversation between him and the husband as well, where, where he is, the husband is pretending to be really supportive of the investigation. Yeah, of course. Uh, Because again, that would throw you off the scent as the, um, as the viewer. Exactly, exactly. So it's all the more impactful when you realise he's been lying. He's lying to you. Exactly. In fact, there was a scene where he was talking to the cop, to the the detective, and I thought it was to sort of quite quickly got to him being evasive, and you were like, oh, come on, man. Like, at least try to to hold up the act for a couple of scenes. You know, you only just got home. Yeah, you, you you want that act to be kept up for as long as possible in a movie like this. And and so it plods along a bit. Uh, you have the the steamy kiss scene where it's the first time they kiss since she suffered from yep. amnesia, and you're like, oh yeah, so much soft focus, so much soft focus. You've Saxophone got that solo coming. You've in. got that sax with with the guitar alongside it. It's amazing. It's amazing. Um, and then uh, and then it all seems that it's very lovey dovey, and they make breakfast together. And then she looks over at a locked door and she's like, what's that room there? You haven't shown me that room. It's like, oh, don't worry. That's just the basement. That's just a room full of shrunken heads. What's in the fucking basement? That's what the audience is thinking. Because because this is where you start thinking something's wrong. So you're like, hmm, wonder what's in the fucking basement. Yeah. Why wouldn't he let her go in the fucking basement? Um, and so it, so it plods along and you see the creepy guy outside again. Um, and maybe she sees it this time and she's like there was someone standing outside and the guy the, the husband looks incredibly alarmed and is like what what was that wait what? was this the guy who was a concerned party the, the concerned party yeah who then <clears throat> the main creep the main creep just murders who just some, murders no yeah. <laughs> just murders really really quickly yeah just um, so you it's just in case you weren't sure he's definitely a murderer he definitely did it <laughs> yeah, about about <laughs> half an hour in you think yeah that guy's the murderer because you see him murdering someone um so so what happens then is um it's not so much they a keep who done it as a he did it yes and and so then they're asleep at night and then husband gets up and he looks outside and the guy's there again and you just see him put on his coat and walk outside yeah and then that's it for the scene so Ooh. it slowly gets more and more gets more and more tense and the audience is thinking mm, there's something weird going on here but you're still getting all of those love vibes from the two of them and and you can even have a moment where she's like i think i remember that i loved you or something like that mm. and you can tell that their the, their relationship is flourishing and that's yeah. when you pull that's when you pull the rug out from under them that's because when that detective... makes it effective for it to do that as if you yes. think oh I, this is actually happening maybe it is actually happening whereas you don't believe their love in the actual movie you don't believe it for a second yeah exactly so so then you you have 
um and, and at the same time you know the, the night off or, or you know they just had that lovey-dovey scene and then she realizes there's some muddy footprints in the uh in the kitchen leading to the basement door which is always locked and she's like oh did you go down in the basement it's like oh yeah yeah sorry i did a bit of gardening and, and put some stuff away in there or some something inane like that but you know and the audience yeah. knows god there's something fucking wrong in that basement no one yeah. does fucking gardening gardening's a myth yeah, no one does gardening in the basement. Yeah, <laughs> he's growing weed. He's growing weed in the basement, um, and, and then and it turns so... into a stoner movie. <laughs> His secret obsession is drugs. Is drugs? Is drugs? But the detective then he realizes, wait, the car that did the hidden run is also owned by the husband. Dun, dun, dun. And then he starts looking into it, and then you spend more focus on the detective as he begins to realize this guy's not the fucking husband. And he goes to the work and he looks at the photos and is like, Who's that there? That's the husband. But who's that? I thought that was the husband. No, that's creepy McIT nerd. Yeah. Oh, is he an IT nerd? I assumed as much. Also, how has he got a massive house when he clearly <laughs> works at generic McBoring Corp? Like, you have to be a real high flyer to have that kind of house. Yes, yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, but then that that's where the interesting thing comes in. So eventually she goes down into the basement and she finds corpse number one. <gasps> and so she, th- and she this can is, walk at this point. Yeah, so she's got, her, she's got her legs back working fine and she goes down to the basement uh, when he's out buying groceries because she's a little bit suspicious at this point. So she does it. And corpse number one is there. And then corpse number two and three, which are his parents who used to own the house. That's how he has the big fucking house. And corpse number four, which is an old dried up thing. And she's like, I don't recognize this whatsoever. Um, And eventually it turns out that the fourth corpse is her actual husband who was killed at the beginning of the movie, but you never saw. Yeah, yeah. And you you can start getting a bit gruesome with it if you want to. Yes, exactly. So this is where all, all hell breaks loose. And this is where, you know... Wait, did he gets... also kill her parents? Yes, yeah, he did kill her parents. So yeah, you um, could drop that in at that point as well. Yeah, exactly. So he, so um, yeah, so the cop goes around and finds the dead parents in that house. And, and things like that, you know, you've got, you've got all of that, that bloody violence. And then the cop turns up, he calls him back up. Then the cop, rather than just getting knocked out and put in a freezer... He gets killed like the guy in The Shining. Yeah. And it's a super a super big shock. And you're like, oh my God. And then the backup turns up and also gets killed. And then it's down to her to kill him. And so the end of the movie basically turns into a horror movie. So it goes full sweep from really cheesy romantic movie all the way around to really dumb, cheesy horror film. And you Are want there- other films that do that that you can think of? Just for Oh reference. yeah. Yeah. There's loads that do it. And all of them are fun. Right. <laughs> Every single one of them is much more enjoyable than this. Well, there you like, go. That just tells you that this, that it is effective, and that what this film does is just ineffective because it just doesn't try, does it? It, it really doesn't try. My favourite recent example of that is one with Jeffrey Dean Morgan in, and um, oh, who is it? Hilary Swank, and Hilary Swank moves into a new apartment and starts sort of flirting with with jeffrey d morgan who plays like the i've forgotten the word for it but like the 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 um almost like the landlord who runs the apartment the building block. manager yeah precisely but not the um, not the concierge no no um see i feel like the concierge is a role that is often overlooked in film 
Indeed, indeed. Um, and and that they kind of play with that for a bit, and then they t- it turns out that Jeffrey Dean Morgan is a super creepy guy who sneaks between the walls of the different apartments. Between the walls? <laughs> yeah, and it's like spying on people through the walls and breaking into their apartments at night. And it's really horrible, but it does a perfect job of being that super dumb movie that really flicks a switch and turns into something else entirely um and that's what how this... does he get in between the walls because he's he's a superman there's there's right. enough space in between the walls <laughs> so he's he's there in in between the walls at night just like peering through peepholes at people um and and yeah so, so that i think it's called the resident it's a really fun stupid oh, film. right yeah um and and that's what this film needed to do but instead it it shows its cards far too early. And even if you know where it's going to go... and you... I wouldn't say that it hides its cards at any point. No, exactly. But even if you knew where it was going to go, you still want that facade of trying to have a big shock reveal. And the yeah. film just doesn't do that. And I think that's where it really falls down. Yeah, there's no reveal. Nothing at any point feels like, oh, I didn't expect that to happen. No, and so it's it's incredibly tame. It takes no risks whatsoever. I, I still kind of enjoyed it in places, but overall it was a, a bit of a letdown. I, I was hoping for something even, you know, much more trashy, but instead it just a bit of stale bread in, yeah. in movie form. Very very stale. It's, got, it's growing blue mould on it. It's like, you know, that, that this loaf of bread's been in the bread bin for about a week longer than is necessary and you open it up and you're like, okay, there's there's some blue mold on the outside, but maybe there's a couple of slices in the middle where the mold hasn't gotten to yet. And I could toast those and then you wouldn't notice. It's that kind of loaf of bread. <laughs> you know, you shouldn't eat that bread anyway, Paddy. Why not? Because the mold spores you can't see. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> invisible spores. Dear listeners, here's something you can take away from this podcast. Are you saying Don't... that this, this film has invisible spores of bullshit? <laughs> to, to continue this metaphor yes definitely um yeah so, well, so I don't if there's know. any bread any mold at all on the bread you can't eat yeah it. you probably shouldn't do just even if it's just like side. on the end the end bits are just well, growing maybe, a little bit well maybe if it's on the end bits and you go for the middle slice but if it's if yeah. there's a lot of mold on it and there's you think you've got a couple of slices that are fine they're probably not fine and you shouldn't eat it yeah it is, after all, just bread. Do you do you like the end pieces? I do like the end pieces. Oh, I'm not a fan. Does that is that, does that make me a child? Does that make me not a proper adult? <laughs> That's definitely it. You may have you may be married with a child, <laughs> a literal you, child. <laughs> but if you don't eat the end bits of bread, no, I love the end bits. The end bits toasted are, are the best. Uh, it's just too you much. You get that. It's you get too that much thickness. It's ah, oh, yeah, too thick love for the end me. Bits. Yeah, that's bad. I'm a child. <laughs> Do you cut your uh, crusts off though? No, no, I'm not that bad. Okay, I, I used to be quite, I used to be a crust hater when I was small, but now I've come around. To, I've come around to the crust. You're a secret crust hater. Yep, I'm a secret crust hater. <laughs> no crusts, no crusts. <laughs> oh dear. So this movie is bad. There's yeah. no getting around that. But the guy who made it, Paddy... Who made it? So it's a guy called Peter Sullivan who makes a lot of I Christmas th- movies. I, I thought you were going to say Peter Sutcliffe. <laughs> <laughs> if only. He had yeah. a secret obsession. He certainly did. I was going to say, it would be fitting. 
Um, no, it's a guy called Peter Sullivan. I don't know if I've seen any of his work, but you probably have because he fucking loves Christmas. Let me are tell you, you that. Are you, what are you saying about my taste in films? Are you saying that I fucking love Christmas? I'm saying that you fucking that love Christmas. That is true. I which fucking is, love Christmas. So, so let's run down this guy's. He's directed a movie called The Road Home for Christmas, which is coming out this year. I, cr- let, let's watch it. Sorry. My Christmas Inn sharing christmas that's rap- christmas in with double n yep not my christmas in dot 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 no christmas in as in you went to an inn and you went had a nice ale inn, had some ale stayed over because inns often have rooms that are quite cheap yeah um wrapped up in christmas broadcasting christmas the flight before christmas 12 Gifts of Christmas. A Wait, Christmas. I feel like I've maybe seen that one. Yeah, I think you might have seen some of 12 these. 12 uh, Gifts. Uh, okay, carry on. I'm going to look that one up. A Christmas Mystery. Christmas Under Wraps. Uh, Dear Secret Santa. Christmas Twister. All About Christmas Eve. 12 Wishes of Christmas. Wait, Christmas Twister? Is that like the film Twister, but for Christmas? I so don't it's know. Like a, it's like a, a big, um, like a big tornado full of presents. <laughs> <laughs> come so, to attack the land he's also done a movie called the dog who saved halloween and also jingle bell but bell as in b-e-double-l-e uh, um, I, so, I see what he did there uh so in terms of movies directed there's a lot of christmas in there there's even more christmas if you look at the things that he's written and produced so this fella is is full-on christmas lover which is which is something quite special wow yeah, so so you've probably seen a few a few of his movies already. I imagine I have. Yeah, I I'm not gonna lie about having watched a lot of Christmas Twenty Four in my time. <laughs> okay, so the Twelve Gifts of Christmas, I have not seen that. You have not seen it. He's also produced a lot of films that start with the word "the wrong." <laughs> so we got <laughs> the wrong cheerleader, the wrong tutor, the wrong mummy. These all sound like pornos. Are they, is, is he a porno man no they're just trashy bad films okay the wrong tutor 2019 when star high school athlete eric needs help with his schoolwork, emily convinces eric's mother carol that she is perfect tutor for her son but she has other reasons too that stem beyond helping him with his homework (laughs) who wrote this copy (laughs) 4.9 out of 10 (laughs) um yeah so there's a lot of good stuff in here I think we've hit the motherload. I think we should start up an entire separate yeah. podcast just to follow just the work of Peter Sullivan. Films of Peter Sullivan. <laughs> what would what yeah. would we call it? Sullivan, the the Peter Sullivan show. <laughs> Sullivan's travels. That's what <laughs> that's we call good. it. That's Sullivan's good. travels. Sullivan's travels. Uh, he has a lot of credits, though. To be fair, like yeah, he seems like a, a very lot. busy man. It's uh, it is a machine, a machine of Christmas movies. Yeah, the Christmas clause, a Christmas proposal, the dog who saved Christmas. Oh my god! Have you not seen that? That sounds like something you have definitely seen. Oh, I, no, I I I have seen half of this on Christmas twenty four, maybe. Okay, the Bannister family's new additions use voiced by Mario Lopez of TV's Saved by the Bell. <laughs> <laughs> the Yellow Labrador appears to be less like all of the TV shows are in capitals just to hook you in. Um, appears to be less than the dependable guard dog the family needs. However, when two burglars set out to break into the Bannisters' home while they're away for Christmas, Zeus seizes the chance to be a hero, proving every dog, even this one, has his day. 
Oh. Like, uh, that on. sounds amazing. Did they leave the dog at the house while they went away? Yeah, it's basically... That's neglect. It's Home Alone, but with a dog. <laughs> the dog who saved Christmas and was also neglected. <laughs> so I think we need to at least choose one of his movies for our Christmas period this year. Yeah. This is on a user list on IMDb called Doggy Doggy What Now? A list of 46 <laughs> titles. Did you make that list, Paddy? No, uh, strangely, I did not. This is the kind of list I would make. Okay. I have always been intrigued by the application of dogs within cinema. As such, I have decided to create a showcase of the plethora of great and unheard of roles our furry friends have played in filmed. This, this, this guy, right, he's really clever because he's used the word plethora. That's how you know he's a serious film critic <laughs> who begins his list of 46 titles with Dude, Where's My Dog? from 2014. Uh, th- that's I take it that is like Dude, Where's My Car? but with a dog. Yeah. Oh, speaking my God. Of, the, speaking... Actually, this this list is incredible. Okay, I want to watch all of these films. Underdog is on there at number three. Number four is Army Dog. <laughs> <laughs> Army Dog. And the, the poster is literally just like a golden retriever with a like green army helmet photoshopped onto it. <laughs> number six is angel dog oh and the cover is literally like a sheep dog with a halo on it that sounds just up my street yeah sorry you were gonna say something but oh, i'm yeah, down spe- my imdb rabbit hole now speaking of the word plethora did you know that um three amigos is now on netflix i did not that's good yeah. news that's a better thing to watch than secret <laughs> obsession <laughs> how dare you i i i have a sweet spot for this movie i enjoyed it it made me i i enjoyed this kind of silly movie i wish it was a bit sillier and a bit more over the top but i still i still enjoyed it i enjoyed my time with this film as i as i said i i would be lying if i said i was not compelled i was yes, compelled exactly exactly but that does not mean that it's a good film in any way <laughs> or that i like it in any way because i don't i'm just i'm just so frustrated by these kind of films getting made because they're just so boring you know, why is this kind of film getting proper airtime on Netflix and getting made with, you know, actors who have some decent credits and whatever when, you know, Miracle Dogs is out there and that was a 2003 <laughs> TV movie. Exactly. Or Kar- The Karate Dog. <laughs> the Karate Dog. Yeah, this is 2005. When LAPD computer expert Peter Fowler investigates the killing of an old man in Chinatown, he finds the only witnesses his dog, Chocho. But Fowler soon discovers Chocho is the only dog in the world who can speak to humans, dot, dot, dot. Not only that, Chocho is an expert in martial arts. When they join forces to track down the mastermind behind the death of Chocho's master, it leads these unusual partners into uncovering a dangerous conspiracy which puts both of their lives in danger. That's really functional copy for a film that is about a dog that can do martial arts. See, that sounds like... I've I've talked to you about Puchinski before, haven't I? maybe talk to me so, about Puczynski <laughs> Puczynski is a um, a pilot episode of a show from 1990 which was not picked up by M- NBC unsurprisingly what um, we must write this injustice uh, it's about a, ch- a Chicago police detective whose spirit is transferred into a flatulent English bulldog after he is killed in the line of duty the detective then returns to solving crimes as a bulldog. So it's like it's like Randall and Hopkirk deceased. Yes, but with a bulldog. But with a bulldog. Randall um, and bulldog deceased. The, 
I remember finding the trailer for it uh, several years ago and thinking, why did this not get made? And I think the entire pilot episode is now up on YouTube. Cool. It's it's totally up your street. It's it's like the perfect. That sounds extremely my shit. It's the perfect Paddy Johnston TV show. Yet it never got made. I'm very upset about this. Oh, yep, it's here. It's on YouTube. Puchinski full pilot. So, so for for the next episode, shall we have a? We'll have a little bit of bonus content. Maybe we should yeah. watch Puchinski. The Puchinski special. Yeah, yeah, let's let's do that. So, so we'll watch a proper movie as well. But yeah, we'll also have a little bit about Puchinski because I swear, I swear, I must have talked about it at some point. It, it's uh, that it is my secret obsession. It's Puchinski. <laughs> Puchinski. I feel like you've mentioned this to me, but I also feel like if you had mentioned it before, I would have wanted to watch it immediately. So perhaps yeah, you didn't. That's the thing because it's it's basically your perfect television show. So I'm, maybe you didn't. I yeah, mm. maybe I didn't. Could it be as good as Doggy Woggy's Poochie Woochies from 2012, which is a surrealist remake of Alejandro Jodorowsky's 1973 film The Holy Mountain, consisting entirely of borrowed <laughs> clips from countless dog films? Oh my god! <laughs> this film ex- this film exists. Well, it's on this IMDb list. That is ridiculous. I, this, I also this sounds like your kind of dog it. film. That, that is definitely my kind of my but kind it, of it's, dog it's on this this list of all the just like fluff films like dog gone and firehouse dog and guard dog and cool dog have i seen cool dog <laughs> you are a cool dog <laughs> oh yeah sorry i'm mistaking the fact that i am a cool dog for having seen the film cool dog i haven't seen <laughs> the three doggeteers the oh, three doggeteers surely yeah. surely dog tanyan I, I know exactly. Hounds. It's as if Dog Tenyon and the Musker Hounds never existed. This is literally like they're all kind of long haired, Westy type terriers and they're standing on their hind legs in a way that looks extremely photoshopped in a bad way. <laughs> oh dear. So, right. Have you got anything else you want to share about Secret Obsession? Um, I was just on the Wikipedia page of the, ma- the, of the creepy man, Mike Vogel. He's got some interesting credits. It says down here, um, he married Courtney, a former model, in January 2003. They have three children together. The family resides in Nashville, Tennessee. They also have a pug and two horses. Oh, that's good. So that's nice. Yeah, Apparently he was in Cloverfield. He was Ah. in Blue Valentine. Oh, that's a a good... We haven't talked about that film. We haven't. It is unbelievably depressing. Yeah. That would be a good film to talk about, wouldn't it? It would. It would. Would that would that balance out nicely against Puchinski? Is the question. <laughs> That's. A, I mean, what's you've got one movie about the gradual disintegration of a relationship, and another one about talking dog that solves crimes. That's a pretty good pairing, isn't it? Yeah, I think that works. He was also in The Boy, but not the boy that I recently saw. What boy did you recently say? So The Boy is a movie about a um, a doll. So, so this woman... This is the kind of trash that I watch, Paddy, for fun. <laughs> um, this woman gets hired to look after a child by these people that have a country manor. And she turns up and it f- turns out that the, the child is actually a porcelain doll. Uh, and so she's okay. alone in this country manor with this porcelain doll that she needs to look after whilst they're away. 
Um, but then weird stuff to starts happening. So is the doll haunted? Is it truly alive? Etc. Etc. It's right. uh, it's super awesome. It's it's an amazing film. Um, but yeah, that that's a good one. Whereas he was in another film called The Boy, which is not the one about the porcelain doll. Which right. is a shame. Which is not to be confused with Chucky, of course. No, which is a not a porcelain doll, but a angry doll. A livid doll. All the same. Really furious. He He's furious. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, so he's got some interesting credits. Brenda Song, she's got some interesting credits as well. She appeared in The Social Network, our favourite film. Our favourite film that features rowing, of course. <laughs> it's the best film about rowing. Yeah. So yeah, good good actors generally of the the sort of level that you'd expect of this kind of film, I suppose. But people who you know are capable of better things than appearing in a film that's as flat as this. Yeah, it's it's I think everyone tries to do their best and it really shows through because it's not an incompetent movie. But yeah, it's just lacking that little bite, isn't it? Yeah. That is oh, something to help separate it from the crowd. Hold the front hold the front page. She appeared in the 1996 American Christmas comedy Santa with Muscles, starring Hulk Hogan. <laughs> Are you aware of this film? Yeah, I know that movie. I don't think I've ever seen it. but uh... I have not seen it, but I think we should watch it at Christmas. <laughs> it, was co- it, wait, it was co-produced by Jordan Belfort. What the what? fuck? <laughs> the Wolf of Wall Street himself. That is incredible. That's really bizarre. That's why he went to prison, not for all the crime. <laughs> it's, it's a criminal, yeah. The film was released for two weeks in cinemas. It was panned by critics and considered to be one of the worst films of all time. This sounds like our kind of thing. <laughs> Bring it on. Bring it on. Yeah, starring Hulk Hogan, Mila Kunis. Wow. That sounds incredible. Excellent. Right, so, yeah. So no, I'm I'm done with secret obsession. You're done. I'm, you're done with it. Yeah, I don't think there's any trivia. There's, no, we've, if we've you can find trivia. some trivia, I would consider that an achievement. The guy loves Christmas. That's your trivia. Oh yeah, yeah. So everyone loves Christmas. So how are we going to rate this? Uh, I was thinking, how many times do you want to have a little strop about how much you've done for someone out yeah, of twenty? A lot, all the time. <laughs> you should hear me talking to my son. <laughs> after all i've done for you after all i've he, done for you he kicked me in the balls for the first time today that's something oh well done yeah it's, a, it's, a, it's one, of, one of those child milestones <laughs> did you did you turn around and go after all i've done for after you. all i've done for you boy <laughs> <laughs> yeah so how many how many uh, out of 20 see. i'll say six out of 20 that's, yeah, yeah, that seems about right, isn't it? Definitely not even halfway there, but a quarter of the way there and a bit. Yeah, yeah we'll I think that's that. about fair. So I, I'm going to go seven. I had a bit of fun with it, but not enough yeah. to warrant watching it again. But also, the the rewritten version of it that we came up with is a film I would genuinely watch. So I am always interested to kind of take films apart in that way. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'd have I there's there's a way that this movie could have been made more interesting, I suppose. Um, yeah, a lot of ways. Yeah, um, but you know, it's I, I still had fun with it. But yeah, it's not a not a classic by any means. I'm glad you had fun. I now I can fun. get back to watching Star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> so, so what do you have for us next time out? 
Um, well, yeah, we were talking about Blue Valentine, but I did want to get back to how I said after Death to Smoochie that we were going to do another Edward Norton film, which was Keeping the Faith. Oh, okay. Have you I, ever seen it? I have not seen it. No, it's. I think it's actually. Well, I, I won't spoil it for you, but it's. Um, it's from. It's sort of early Edward Norton and Ben Stiller. Oh no, it's two thousand, so not early, early, but it feels early on in both of their careers, and it's um, a film that I think is often overlooked. So I'll, I'll be interesting to see what you make of it. Interested to see what you make of it. Oh yes, excellent. Yeah, keeping the I'm looking faith forward to two thousand. Yeah, marvelous. Cool. Did you have anything else you want to talk about? No, no. Um, anything to I just escape. want to say that Star Wars is good. Star Wars is good. They uh, um, they released some, some footage from the episode 9, The Rise of Skywalker. Did you see it? I did. It looks fine. It's about it looks three pre- three seconds of yeah. Rey holding a red lightsaber. It looks, it looks gone to the dark side. It looks pretty. It's not the first time that they've teased someone going to the dark side. It's pretty much the entire premise of most of Star Wars is, ooh, yeah. are they going to go dark side? Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's how George Lucas would say it. That's exactly how he'd say it. But yeah, it looks fine. I'm I, I'm looking forward to it. I wanted just a solid, fun Star Wars movie. It's I'm what really I want from Star it. Wars. So give it to me when it comes out. So my rewatch, I've just finished A New Hope. Ah, okay. Very and nice. still, for a film from 1977, you can see why it was such a huge cultural moment and such a big hit because everything about it just works on every level. Oh yeah, it definitely. Still holds up so well. Now. It is a it is a great movie. Absolutely great. Man, Alec Guinness, so good. Mm, definitely. So um, yeah, Star yeah, Wars. Brilliant. Star Wars is good. We like Star Wars. <laughs> Good times, good times. All right, well, that was Secret Obsession. Um, If you want to tell us about your secret obsessions, get in touch with us. We're on Twitter at BigBoysDon'tPod, on the emails at BigBoysDon'tCryPodcast at gmail.com. Always love to hear from you. Yeah, what would you do if you had the chance to give someone amnesia? Who would you (laughs) give amnesia to? (laughs) Boris Johnson, obviously. Yeah, let us know because then send us emails tweet at us who who would you like to give amnesia yeah you can choose boris johnson or the queen one or the other <laughs> or queen or queen yeah so they'd forget ever writing the the song i'm in love with my car <laughs> or boris the avant-garde japanese band hey quite like them that I, I love boris they're amazing but yeah those are your options the yeah. queen queen boris johnson or boris yeah, it should be a very tough decision. I'm it should. Sure. <laughs> Shit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. Bye. Bye.